Well, we would typically be starting a new series now. Um, uh, following Easter, we would I would start uh, a new series to lead us into to the summer. But uh, with me leaving and stuff, I just have to. T- uh, my creativity is not as what it normally is, I guess. And uh, so I'm I, I just sort of struggling week to week to figure out what to talk about. And I finally figured out I want to I want to sort of talk about how to deal with change because regardless of if you get anything out of it, I need to hear that um, talk. So, um, so that's, that's sort of what I'm, I'm thinking on and, and that's where we're going to be going in light of Easter and the promise of Easter that God is bigger than our problems, that he, that he has a plan for us, that he has won our freedom, that he has won our hope. And so that's what, that's what, and like I said, I just, couldn't I don't have the creativity come up with a catchy title for that so that's what we're doing but I don't know what to call it so uh, that's where we're heading all right um, so my 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 sermon this morning is called uh, that's not what I'd planned and uh, and I think it, this is one of those that I know 100% of the people in here can relate to because if there's one thing we can count on in life it is change right Every one of us, every single one of us has had a situation where you had plans and they got turned around on you, right? Anybody not had that yet? Maybe uh, maybe Jackson right there hasn't yet. And that's just because he's not old enough to control his own life yet. But all of us have those plans. And, and they range from serious to not so serious, you know, uh, Sometimes it's you wake up in the morning and the this happens to me sometimes. The clothes I think I'm going to wear, I put the pants on the ironing board and there's an ink spot on the butt cheek or something and, and, and so I'm going to have to change, you know. And if I didn't plan in my morning enough, then I'm going to be late to church. And then if I'm late to church, and it can affect my whole day. Or, you, or, you, or you're ready for vacation and you've been planning this vacation and the, week, the night before your kid gets sick and you have to take him to the doctor. Sydney is a, is professional at that. We have never been, my da- oldest daughter said, we have never been, she's 21 now, we have never been on vacation where she has not been sick. It, it, she's professional at it. If, if I called her and asked her to come home tonight, by the time she got home between Abilene and here, she would develop a sore throat. I don't, I don't know what it is. And so over the years, we, we, we used to do the nurturing parent. Oh, now it's like suck it up. <laughs> And she hasn't died yet. So, uh, but it doesn't matter. We go to Disney World. She isn't sick. I mean, just so you got that kind of thing, right? And we all have those kind of things, right? You, you find out that they moved your office at work. You find out that your teacher, if you're a kid in school, your teacher got pregnant and she's going to be taking leave. I mean, there's there's constantly those those things that you weren't counting on, but they they flip on us all the time, right? And we can deal with those little ones, but a lot of the times the change in our life is not that easy to deal with. It's uh, you have plans for your retirement, you have plans for what you, how you're going to travel, you have plans for for where you're going to go, and all the things you're going to do because you've worked so hard and you get to that point, and one of the spouse develops an illness and isn't going to live. 
you, you have plans of what you're going to do when you finally get empty nest and get the kids out of the house. And those kids that you've prayed for and sweated over and, and you thought they were finally off the payroll and, and that they were going so well, a divorce happens and they can't take care of the kids and you end up not only being mom again, but your mom to your grandkids. You lose your job when you didn't expect it. I mean, life is full of change, isn't it? And, and, and you would think, with this being 100% of the population deals with change, right? We all do. You would think that we would be experts on it, that we would not live under that delusion that, that we could control our, our future. You would think that, but, but that's not true. That's part of why it creates such a problem with us is because no matter how contrary the evidence is, that in every aspect of our life we don't control our, our destiny, no matter where we're going, how, no matter how clear that is, we continue to grasp to that desperate idea that if we could just... It, I, I, I can control what's going to happen. Y'all, you, y'all know this is true. There's several of us that you, you had your money, you know that commercial with the green line, you know? You know what I'm talking about? That if you just follow those plans, you will, you will, it will lead you to a life of happiness, right? And it's, it's by a more, it's by a finance company, right? Fidelity. Well, we didn't need to throw them under the bus, but we, we did now, but. <laughs> And any of you that was following Fidelity, how many of you have less money now than you did five years ago? Along with several other banks. We'll just throw them all under the bus, you know. Right? That those plans that you had for your retirement and all the savings you were doing and the stock investing you were doing and all of that in an instant was half a value. Maybe, hopefully, if you were lucky. Right? Why is it we so, we've all had that experience, so why is it we all still operate under that delusion that we're in control? We're not. We have no control over our future. We like to think we do, but we really don't. You really, really don't. Every one of us is always just a, a circumstance away from everything being different. And sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes that's a scary thing. It only takes a few circumstances in our lives for everything to start coming apart, for all of our plans to go out the window. Right? So why do we why do we keep clinging to that idea that we can control? I think part of it is that's that's the human condition. We we uh, we we don't like to admit we're weak. We don't mind to we don't like to admit that we need help. We don't like to admit that we're powerless. And so if we can consume our thinking and consume our actions, even if it's fruitless, if we can consume ourselves with with planning and and we can keep our mind occupied on that, then we don't have to deal with the fact that it's all ridiculous anyway. If you, 
if you want a perspective, read the Song of Solomon. He says, it's all worthless, man. They're like wind, like chaff blown in the wind. What? There's no purpose. Actually, it's, you know, never mind. I'm not going to quote. My concentration is so horrible. I I apologize. I can't even quote scriptures I've known since I was in second grade anymore. But it's in the Bible somewhere, and it was written by Solomon. Okay? (laughs) So why, why do we keep battling? You know what happens, though? It, here's the problem. You know, it's okay to live in denial. I, I've been doing that for a while. That first three weeks after we found out we were... First three weeks, we just lived in denial. It's finally after the Monday after Easter, Lori and I looked at ourselves and like, if we don't put our house on the market and quit pretending they're going to call and say, never mind, we're going to end up homeless. You know, we got to move forward. But it's okay to live in denial. But here's what happens. We, we, we cling to this illusion we're in, we're in control. And so then when life doesn't happen the way we want it to, what do we do? We get mad at God about it. Right? Well, that was no fair. Why would He do that to me? Why? I can't follow a God who will not do everything exactly the way I wanted it done. Why would He treat me that way? Why wouldn't He answer? Right? Been there, done that? Thought that? We all do. Instead of, instead of seeking His will, instead of understanding that really we don't get to control where we go, that God's in control, instead of seeking that, we, we try to follow our own path and then we blame Him if our path doesn't go the way we hoped it would. Right? Well, we're just going to get, we're just going to sort of get a biblical perspective on that, that whole idea. I'm not going to be able to answer any of it for you or anything, but it'll give you a perspective. And the, the verse we're going to use is actually one we used when we first started the church. And, uh, uh, as I was, I was, as I was appointed here and, uh, ready to go, I went to this training on church starts. And a big part of the training was, that as you start a church as the founding pastor, you get to program the church's DNA, right? And, and what they would tell you is the DNA is that it will become like our DNA. It becomes ingrained within the life of the church and it, it will set the future. And, and that scared me to death. Uh, in other words, if you screw up, this will be a dysfunctional church for the rest of its life. I already got that with my own kids. I don't need the rest of you as a responsibility. I mean, Sidney and Haley, God bless them, they're not, they don't have a chance. And I'm responsible for that, but I didn't want to be responsible for a whole dysfunctional group. I mean, I just went to the Harlingen 100-year anniversary. I could see 100 years from now getting together, you know, all the inbred cousins and everything getting together to say, oh, yeah, we had a weird pastor back in the day. That's why we're all like this. I didn't want to be responsible for screwing up your DNA. And so this verse was one of the ones that, that I, I clipped out for myself. Okay? Here it is. Proverbs 69. By the end of the day, you're going to have a Bible verse memorized. It's very easy. We can make our plans, but... Read it with me. 
The Lord determines our steps. Okay? We can make our plans, but the Lord... I know you don't like this. You think it's like holy church or something because you're speaking out loud. But one more time. We make our plans, but... Okay. So, according to this verse, how many, how much power do you have in your life? You have imaginary power. You make your plans. Okay? That's the power we have. We get to pretend we're in, we're in charge. That's the power you have of life. And, and as long as you recognize that it's a pretend power, okay? As long as you recognize that it's, it's sort of like, as a kid growing up and, and you want to do something and your mom says, do whatever you want. Okay. You know you better do it her way or it's going to go wrong. Or when your wife says, whatever. <laughs> you know, you, can, you have that pretend power that you can say, oh, I'm going to make my own choice. Eventually you're going to do it her way, Right? So, we get to make our plans, okay? But the Lord determines our steps. And, and you can read this two ways. For some, you could read this that, that God, that means that no matter what great plans we have for ourselves, God is always going to screw it up and make us do His own thing. And that's the way a lot of people choose to, uh, to relate to God. They have their plans. They had their direction. And God screwed it up. I don't think this is what that's about, though. Because, number one, let's, let's think about our plans. Our plans are about us. Our plans are very self-centered and self-focused. They take in, they have, we have no view of eternity. We have no view of how it's going to affect anyone other than ourselves. In, in truth, we don't even know how it's going to affect us. Right? So we make our plans with that limited vision. So here's the promise. Even though you screwed up your plans, God can make them better. That's the way I would translate this verse. You can make your plans, but God's got a better one. No matter what your plans are, He has the perfect plan for you. This is, this is, you can trace this through the, the scriptures. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11? A lot of you have this verse written somewhere or, or have quoted it before. And see, I'm having to return. I can't memorize anything anymore. So, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. I have plans for you, not to destroy you, not to ruin your life, not to screw up everything you thought you wanted. I have plans that take into account all of all of all of creation 
all of eternity, what's good for you, what's good for your family, what's good for the people around you. I know how it's going to come out. The plans I have for you are for your good. See, that, that verse isn't a threat. It's a promise. That's why I used it as we were starting the church. In other words, you can make all your plans. You can can chart out this course for the church, but thank God He's going to determine where it's going. It's up to Him, not to me. It's the same with your life. You can make your plans. Be a good father. Be a good husband. Be a good mother. Be a good spouse. Take care of your family. You want to do all that. There's nothing wrong with all of that. You, you're going to make your plans, but you got that promise that you got God looking over your shoulder that even where you didn't hit it, even where you have fallen short, even where you couldn't have the proper perspective, God will take care of it for you. It's a promise, not a threat. Change is going to happen. Life is going to flip you upside down. You are not going to be able to predict everything that comes. It, it's, I don't know why we have such a hard time with every single one of humanity's people understand this. We've lived it, so why do we have such a hard time with it? Why do we struggle with it? Let me use a Bible story. Uh, remember Joseph, coat of many colors, uh, um, sold into slavery, young guy, father's favorite, gets this coat, not the brightest kid as far as family relations, so struts around with his brothers. Hey, man, I'm dad's favorite. <laughs> Wish mom loved you like I do. You know, you, you've done that with your brothers and sisters too. Uh, that's, that's, that's the way it happens. They get jealous. They throw them into, throw them into a pit, sell them into slavery. Okay? Instantly, he goes from being favored son to prisoner. Okay? So what did Joseph do? Well, if he would have been one of us, he would have dug a hole in the corner, cried, pouted, and said, screw you, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you ever again. I can't, I can't believe that you were going to treat me that way after I tried to be a good guy, after all that my dad and you have done for me, after being one of your chosen people, this is what you're going to do? No. He just made the best of it did that to such a point that the jailer recognized him as a special kid. So said, there's something about this kid. Starts elevating. He becomes like the, uh, like the assistant to the jailer. Again, things are going well. Joseph probably thinking, oh, good, I'm, I'm going to get my way out of here. The jailer's wife thinks Joseph is cute, makes a pass at him. Joseph turns her down. Woman scorned. Don't mess with. Ghost tells husband, hey, he raped me. He didn't. In fact, he did the very thing he was supposed to. He ran out of the room. But who'd they believe? The wife. Now not only a prisoner, now like sent to prison prison. Not like federal prison, like prison prison. Again, could have said, hey, God, I'm doing the right thing, man. She was cute. I could have gone with her. I chose not to. Last time I'm going to follow your advice because I always end up in the wrong place anyway, right? No, he continues to live out. 
this story goes on, you know how it ends? At the end of the story, you come to the end of Genesis, at the end of the story, Joseph is placed in a position where not only is he elevated, not only do the plans that he had for himself, not only are they exceeded, but he's put in a position where he can help his family and he's put in a position he can help his entire nation. See, the plans that he had, he would never even been able to imagine what God would have done for him. And for him. God had a much bigger plan. And Joseph was smart enough to continue to seek it. To not get mad, to not get discouraged. See, the plans God has for you are bigger than anything you can imagine for yourself. When do you grow most? When, when do you learn your lessons most? Is it when everything's going great or is it when things get hard? You know? If I never learned the lesson that you had to go to class to pass in college, if I never learned the lesson that I wasn't going anywhere by drinking beer and doing happy hour every Monday through Friday and then happy day on Saturday and Sunday... If that never got hard, if I never had to suffer the consequences, I'd still be doing it. How do we grow? How do we mature? It's when we get kicked out of the nest. It's when our comfort zone gets uprooted. It's when we get put in a position we don't know how to deal with. That's why change is a part of life, because God wants you to grow. So He keeps moving you, pushing you, pulling you, prodding you. It's not because he's trying to ruin your life. It's because he's got a plan much bigger than anything you got for yourself. My question for you is, are you going to still keep running around with your pretend power thinking that you've got a, a chart for yourself that's going to take care of everything? Are you going to trust somebody who not only will take care of you, but has much bigger plans than you could ever ask or imagine for your life? for your success, for your future, for your hope, for who you are. I've had to wrestle with that over the last few weeks. That's been part... I'm no different than any of you. I get mad. I get questioned. But here's... I don't even have to go back to Joseph. I can look back to just my life. At every point, at every point, With hindsight, I can look back and say, I'm glad he determined my steps. I'm glad he didn't give me the plan I had. I'm glad that he had a better one than I came up with for myself. That's my prayer for you as well, that, that you might learn to trust that God that has your back. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for that presence. We thank you for that patience with us that puts up with us questioning you over and over. Even though, even though you've proven yourself, we still question. We still struggle. God, we thank you for being so patient with us. And no matter how long we fight against you, you're always there with arms open wide when we come home. Whatever our plans are, God, whatever, wherever we are, whatever... Whatever change is coming, God, give us the faith to trust you, to follow you, to seek your face, to seek your word. 
And we pray that in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.